Jason, can we start with a bit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This isn't this isn't really a bit like jokes leave the room. Okay. Jokes leave the room. This right. is a a new reoccurring segment that I've prepared called All My Worst Fears Come to Realized. Come to realized? That's not a thing. All my worst fears come to fruition. How about that? <laughs> I'm I kind I kind of like all my worst fears come to realize a little better. <laughs> <laughs> this is all my just, fir- worst fears come to realized. <laughs> just just play it completely straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay. This perfectly illustrates my problem, and that is is that I, my brain don't work. My brain don't work, <laughs> Jason. I was listening to an old episode in this podcast, and I wanted to say Chuck Dixon and who's the other writer? See, this is why Doug Munch. Doug, I know mm-hmm. who Doug Munch is. We've been talking yeah. about Doug Munch nonstop. But instead, I said Chuck Dixon and Jim Aparo because my brain don't work. I wanted to say <laughs> Kelly Jones in an uh, in an episode. I kept saying Ke- Kelly Puckett, and you corrected oh, me. You were like, "Oh yeah, 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 you want Kelly Jones?" I was like, "Yes, Kelly Puckett's the writer." Kelly Jones. My brain does not work, Jason. It doesn't work. And then I, when I was editing this previous pod, uh, you were like, how did the 1940s like Batman thing come come along? And I was like, oh, it's probably Bruce Tw- Tim. And then I said, unless it's James Turner, James Turner's that's I think that's the fairly odd parents child like uh, it's Timmy Turner, Timmy, Timmy Turner. Turner. But James Tucker is the person I meant, not James Turner. My. And this is the worst part, Jason. I worked with him on, <laughs> on Justice League, on Justice League Infinity. Like, Jason, every time I go to a convention, it is just nonstop panic and terror because there is something in my brain where, like, I just cannot get names right. I cannot hold on. To, it's like holding on to smoke for me. And I think there's I I have a little bit of dyslexia and it makes it like especially with names that I have not heard aloud very often names that I've only read. I like I am just awful at them. So. I have nonstop panic every time I go to a convention and when we started this podcast, the reason why a lot of it was scripted from the beginning was because I was like. I have to write this down and look at it and read it. Otherwise, I will fuck it up. And so what I ask is from anyone listening to this podcast, patience with me when it comes to names. I might get some names wrong. I will get some names wrong. No one feels worse about it than me. <laughs> I can assure you. Can, can, can jokes come back in the room for a second? Just for a second. Can we start a pop punk band called Panic at the Convention? Panic at the Convention. Yes, we can. Let's, you know what? Podcast over. That's the new project. <laughs> yeah. Could be fucking millionaires off of that. I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today we're talking about Batman Adventures issue 13 that came out September 7th, 1993. Is it hot in here? Because this is a romance book with a hot climax. Because the house gets set on fire. The house thing. The house is on fire and for no other reason is it a hot climax. Nope, none at all. Jason, 
What'd you think of issue 13? Oh, I fucking loved it. Is what I would ask you, except that we got a thick sewed here. All right. Oh, heavy, heavy sewed. Yes. There is so much nightfall in this episode. We got to get right into it. Jason. Dense, dense like a neutrino star full of bat Batmans. Jason, I just said, we don't have time for jokes. We don't have time for skullduggery. All right. No, we got to get right nothing, into it. Nothing but seriousness. I'm going to get my tweed jacket on. Okay, with the patches and get my pipe, we're going to be serious. I, I just it. told you. I just told you. Take your skull, skull duggery elsewhere. Okay. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> it's nightfall. Nightfall. <laughs> You've got nothing. Beg for mercy. Scream my name. Never. Shadow of the Bat, 17 and 18 were on stands. They're written by Alan Grant and drawn by Brent Blevins. Why is it double shipping? Why? Because it's Nightfall. No numbers on the top, just the regular Nightfall header. Last issue, Scarecrow brainwashed a bunch of people and dressed them up as Scarecrows to do his bidding. One of the brainwashed kids' father was killed by Scarecrow. Now, Scarecrow starts to put his plan into place as he reminisces about his first kill, the brainwashed boy's father. We find out that Scarecrow is an absolute book slut. Just loves those Tomy bastards. Can't get enough of them. We get a mini Scarecrow origin for some reason. The kid hates this. He hates all of this. Scarecrow basically gasses the city via his various minions. Everybody goes fear nuts. John Paul Batman and Anarchy try to save people. Scarecrow then makes a hologram of himself, proclaiming that he is now the god of fear, and he holds the city hostage. Which feels like a fucking weird move because the whole point of all this is that Bane is controlling the city and like Scarecrow's making this play like there isn't already something going on, but like he's doing his own thing. Is he taking it back from Bane? This seems not thought out at all. Yeah. Feels like Scarecrow really lost the plot here. You can kind of tell that we're in a weird place when Scarecrow starts monologuing for like 10 pages in a row about fuck all like. He's he literally says out loud at one point during the issue, come on, Batman, what's taking you so long? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to know, too. Can we please can we please get this going? Eventually, John Paul Batman shows up, kicks Scarecrow's butt. John Paul Batman and Scarecrow get caught in a net from anarchy and then electrocuted. But the brainwashed boy gets the drop on anarchy and they get loose. Then I guess there was like a panel missing because... They get gassed, but they never show that. And then they're tripping out on fear stuff. And it was like really like, confusing. Like the like the Nine Inch Nails video for Closer. When they had exactly. to censor it. For scene, TV, missing. It said, scene, scene missing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because well, it, it was such a dark, it was such a dark and twisted uh, uh, story, you know. Yeah. I can like, I, Yeah. If, if totally we saw them Nine get, Inch Nails soundtrack. If we saw them get gassed or we saw Trent Reznor in a spooky room, like we wouldn't we emotionally scarred for life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't be able to handle it. So I guess there's a panel missing where Scarecrow gasses everyone because suddenly we are tripping fear balls. Anarchy fears things like poison seas and corporations making unbreathable air and bankers run amok. Turns out Anarchy, pretty good guy, actually. John Paul Batman is basically imposter syndrome, the person. 
His programming doesn't let him falter in the face of fear, though, and he beats up Scarecrow. Scarecrow asks the brainwashed boy to throw himself off the roof to get away from Jean-Paul Batman, like occupy him while while Scarecrow makes an escape. But here's the thing. Jean-Paul Batman don't give a fuck. (laughs) He does not that. He looks at that trolley problem and just does not give a shit. He knows the answer to it. He says, fuck you. You dumbass virgin philosophers who's never been made. <laughs> Here's the choice that you make. I'm going to take it. I am the knight. Yeah, yeah. I am it, the bat. It's, it's actually, and he frames it like that. He frames it like the trolley problem. Like, oh, yeah, I'd absolutely let that kid fall to his death so I could save everyone else in the city. 100%. Like, I didn't even hesitate, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life is just an equation to me. It's just a, it's just a calculation. Anarchy ends up saving the boy. Jean-Paul Batman intimidates Anarchy to stand down in the future. That is where the issue ends. Jason, what did you think about Shadow of the Bat 17 and 18, the God of Fear? I kind I kind of actually liked it. I mean, it, it had that um had that early 90s, like kind of close to um Vertigo House style of art that I really yeah. like. And that that like hits the nostalgia button for me, but Sure. It did. It did because like a a great failing of that style is the the action can get muddy sometimes, and so yeah. some of the fight scenes were a little muddy and fell kind of flat. But like, I do appreciate, especially in a mainstream book, and especially in the era that this was published, like experimentation. Like even if it doesn't work, it's like okay, well, you know, like, yeah, like the whole the whole outline uh, red outline thing I thought was interesting, but then got like really tired when it was like used like. Sure three or four times an issue but the red outline thing you're talking about is the hologram that was being broadcast above the city is that what you're talking about yeah yeah it's supposed to be this like terrifying all-encompassing thing where it's just like all right but now like you're hitting that that bell a few times too many yeah yeah and again i appreciate the experimentation but it's um i think that it was was pretty good though i i I dug it for the most part i think that the whole thing would have been better if it was uh, printed a few years later with some advanced Photoshop coloring rather than the coloring that they were kind of stuck with pre Photoshop, pre full color because they yeah. couldn't really do the hologram very well. And it like, it speaks to like strengths and weaknesses of the medium at the time, which I think is kind of an interesting conversation. Like we covered, um, what was, what were those issues where, Lucius Fox was going to get murdered by Hugo Strange for some reason. This was like right before Nightfall. And oh, he yeah, was playing he, like elevator music to like mur- have him like murder himself yeah, or yeah, whatever, was, like hypnotize bu- him. Yeah, he was bumping off all the other uh, like top executives at top corporations around. Right, Gotham. right. And like the thing about that is like you can't hear the music. So it like kind of falls flat because of the medium. Since we, you didn't hear the music, it's like, well, I don't know. It's kind of doesn't really work that well i don't know yeah because it's kind of it's kind of hard to express it in that in that way you know and i think that a hologram above the city is also something that when you're locked into this type of coloring is hard to visually express and make it terrifying you know what i mean yeah yeah and and it also it also feels like that this was like a plot line that should have been like a lot bigger but they just needed something to fill out some issues and so the writer who right. 
the 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 person like like the writer probably had this idea kicking around because it is an interesting idea and like you can do um uh occult stuff in the dc universe even involving yeah. batman and like it would have yeah. been really cool to see like you know scarecrow like you know travel to hell or some other like realm to actually get like god of fear powers or like you know he's sacrificing the city of Gotham sure, sure. so he can get god of fear powers because it it does really sound super silly even for a quote-unquote like insane person to be demanding <laughs> that commissioner gordon declare him a god like as if like like he he's gonna anoint you as that like right what? right because that's what the uh, like, commissioner does. The police commissioner that, makes gods. <laughs> yeah. That to me was the most disappointing part because I'm like, oh, that's a really cool idea that you could do right. a lot with. But then. But oh, then nope. it's like, oh, we've got three issues. It's got to fit within this whole thing. And the other thing was, yeah. is that these issues, when you read it, when you read Nightfall in the app and you search for Nightfall, it puts these three issues actually a little further back than when they actually hit print date because Batman doesn't have his gauntlets. John Paul Batman does not have yeah, his gauntlets yeah. yet, but in the regular books, he does have his gauntlets and he's shifting into like the full armor, which we can get into. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this is, I think this little arc was supposed to show like yet another, like John Paul Batman getting too close to being like, you know, murdering or something like that. Yeah. 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 He's popping you know, off for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to like show that, like, I think before the big sh showdown with Bane and like the reveal of the suit and everything like. Right. Right. But like, but I, again, it's just then, then like, I think the Scarecrow's like motivation should have been a bit smaller. <laughs> yeah. Than. I also, I wonder if they did this just specifically to wrap up the Scarecrow and put him in prison. They were like, Oh, we're not going to use him. He's he's got to get mopped up. Like, yeah, they kind of did yeah. that with with the showcase nightfall issues where they were like, oh, we got to put Two-Face in jail. Where are we going to do that? Uh, I guess we're doing it here, you know? Yeah, yeah. They got to put him on the shelf for a bit because like you right, have to start right. like everyone who broke out of Arkham, you have to go like, OK, we have to wrap that up so we can like focus more on like these other stories. So right, the, the bat, right. the bat verse people don't have to worry about people running amok. So. Do you want to talk about Nightfall's End? Oh yeah, issue 500. I had I had a couple of copies of, of these issues too. I think I might have had one signed by Adam Kubert who did the um non-special like the cover that had the cut the the cutout with like the old Batman suit and then you opened it to or no uh, uh Joe Quesada. It was Joe Quesada that did that. It was not, okay, not yeah. Kubert. Let me get into my thing. Nightfall Ends with Batman 500. It's labeled as Nightfall 19 at the top. It's written by Doug Bunch. It's penciled by Jim Aparo. Uh, we don't double ship with Detective this month. However, this issue is a huge 58-page issue. It's enormous. It's a thick one. Uh, we get a Kelly Jones cover, but we also get this like die-cut opening, and this is what you were talking about. This yeah, die-cut yeah. opening where you get Batman uh, on a grapple line swinging through the city, and the Batman logo is is in silver. It's like they've chromed it or whatever yeah shiny and chrome yeah and then you open the the die cut and it's like it continues the city and then it's batman in the same pose but he's in the nightfall armor that uh john paul batman ends up putting together we can talk about the armor in a minute but first let's get into the issue we pick up where we left off batman dangling from a rope at the mercy of bane he gets out of it 
and then the fight breaks up. Robin is lonely and calls his girlfriend. You know the one. The one who was drugged up next to a printing press that crushed a man to death in the Robin 3 mini. He calls her up only to be like, I'm lonely. All right, bye. And then, and then runs away from her. Yeah, that, that was real, uh, real bender. Uh, shut up, baby. I know it vibes. Tim, <laughs> so I'm worried. Shut up, baby. I know it. Click. <laughs> Robin tells John Paul Batman to like stop or something. John Paul wants to forget the night and remember the dark. But the but the light cancels darkness, John Paul. Robin protests. Then you grab a flashlight and go after him while I fight fire with fire. Yells John Paul Batman, totally losing the thread of the metaphors. That was a real exchange that happened in this issue. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for a new Batman for a new age. Jason, it's the 90s and the 90s are different and we need a new Batman for a new age. The old Batman served the old ways. John Paul takes a break from uh, one arm pull ups and starts building something. The mayor, speaking from a place of trauma after almost drowning, tells the police force to just let Batman do whatever the fuck he wants. So he just gives Batman carte blanche over the city. Not drowning. You're confusing it with the uh, the Tim Sale issues. The um the Nightfall one was that the mayor was held hostage by Joker and Scarecrow. Yeah, and, but like, then but then he was trapped was in the there... tunnel, and then the water came oh, in and shit, almost drowned that's right. him. That's yes. right. I'm sorry, man. This there... this mayor almost gets drowned a lot. Apparently, my my, he almost my gets, bad. Yes, yes, yes. God. That was a that was a previous drowning out of Nightfall continuity. <laughs> With the I mayor mean, I, almost drowned. I mean, I love the water, but I've, I think if that happened to me, I'd like, you know, probably like collapse if I saw a fucking jacuzzi or something. Or right. Like yeah. Yeah. The a, mayor a, a too has, big has, glass of water within one year. He's almost been drowned twice. And so logically, he's like, let Batman do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, we got to handle yeah. this thing. <laughs> yeah. Let, yeah. Let, let him beat the shit out of him or kill these people. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Bane calls out Batman and fights him in the rain on the rooftops. Jean-Paul looks fucking rad in the new Iron Man Batman suit. So Jean-Paul is in this like he's got the gauntlets, right? The gauntlets. I don't know if we've described them before, but they're big and chunky and they have claws on them. And they also they can shoot grapple lines and tiny bat shurikens like not a regular batarang not like a boomerang kind of shape but like a little tiny like ninja star kind of thing he also has a new helmet with red eyes he's got this cape that's like kind of like articulated and robotic kind of it's supposed to like let him glide a little more He's also has like a full vest and shoulders. It's like 90s to the max. He's got pouches strapped to his leg and on his and on his waist. He's got these like new. Um, I don't even know what to call them. The like little uh, uh, protrusions on the on the the gloves and the boots. But they're like super 90s now. They're very pointy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, yeah, like extra like blades or something like that. Like right. It's supposed yeah, to be yeah. Armor yeah. Or like whatever. Um, Jason, real quick before we continue with with how the issue is panning out, what did you think of the armor? What did you think of the uh, John Paul Batman stuff? I can see why I liked it when I was a kid, or why I think it was cool when I was a kid. But yeah. the the thing that immediately hit me was how, like, the costume design for superheroes in the nineties was. It was very Rob Liefeld like, and what I mean in that way isn't just like the pouches or like extra like 
big guns or weapons or something, but th- that like if Rob Liefeld ever designed a cool costume, it only ever looked cool in a pinup. It looked cool no other place. It looked ridiculous when it was right. in action. It looked b- because that's all he ever designed it for was for it to like look cool on a cover or something with no thought to how it's gonna look when the character's moving and how it might play in different kinds of light and why yeah, the, you hear why, you hear that Deadpool fans shots fired. Jason's coming <laughs> after you. Uh, well, that one was simpler because he just ripped off the Spider-Man costume. So it's like, wow, you hear that Rob Liefeld fans shots fired. Jason's coming after you. Damn right. I am. But so, so like, I th- <laughs> so like I thought like it's, it's looking at it now. It's fun in a kitsch like nineties way, but like, sure. Being honest, it's just like, wow, man, like this is, this is a bunch of fucking, <laughs> it's a bunch of like 30 and 40 year olds in, in 1992 trying to figure out what like the teens and young adults think is cool oh man but this is the problem jason is that i was a teen then yes i did think it was cool i mean i did too (laughs) i did too i did too i there's a part of me that's still really i like i know this costume like does not work and i know that like you know panel to panel like you were saying it's it's a little it's a little broken there's a lot. It looks like he just basically, you know, Iron Man had a yard sale and like John Paul Batman covered himself in glue and just rolled through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, however, it just, it, however, hmm. I can't not love it, dude. I love it. And when he was when he was on the page and it was like raining and Batman's like there and Bane's calling him out, I was like, fuck yes. Fuck yes, dude. <laughs> well, well, this, well, this I mean, this kind of thing is is like so exactly up your alley with your like your 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 love of like your your love of of robots and, you know, Gundam style. Yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. Sort of like and, and like and those big like and then and then even just like your artistic style of, of like of your your drawing that like, you know, you you love these like angles and like these kind of like right chunky right. but not too chunky sort of you know sort of things and like i i think you just really connect with that on like a soul I, level yes i sorted my comic books uh this past weekend and oh, yeah, uh, i can see him in the background this past week yeah and i finally got all of my 2099 stuff together and looking at that stuff and looking at Batman here, I think there's a whole vibe that like oh, yeah. I didn't realize that I gelled with, but I extremely gel with. <laughs> I was honestly when you at you know when you asked me, oh, what do you what do you think about the costume? I was just immediately thinking I was like trying as hard as I can to bring into my mind what Doom 2099 looks like because I'm just like I know Nick, <laughs> I know his love of 2099. I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks fucking rad. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. It does. <laughs> But there's definitely an unintentional kind of camp to sure, it sure. that is it's it's just I, I think maybe the thing we repeat the most often on, on this show is is the the 90sness of it all or the yeah you know and, and it is just like it just slaps you in the face with it like if oh if yeah no unapologetically someone, yeah like if someone had no idea what uh, Nightfall was sure. If they saw a picture of that, they'd be like, what's that, like a Batman thing from the 90s? You know, like just the picture, (laughs) no other information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only, this is the only place where this can exist. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. 
All right, let me get let me get back into it. John Paul looks fucking rad in the new Iron Man Batman suit. They fight him and Bane, eventually finding their way onto an elevated subway platform and onto a subway. They hit the gas on the subway like it's it's flying out of control. Robin loosens the back cart with all the people on it so that they're safe. Meanwhile, the subway that they're fist fighting on shoots off the track into a building. They're still fighting with each other. Uh, eventually, John Paul Batman wins and he has Bane at his mercy. He cuts the venom from his his uh uh mask thing mask th- I, yeah i was like yes. in the back of his skull, the hoses thing. yeah the hoses yeah. he cuts we know the words. hoses we're good yep, at sure. words sure so jean paul has him at his mercy he's he's beaten bane and bane's like you know come on do it you know like kill me and jean paul wants to but decides not to kill him with robin looking on in relief Robin sees this, comes down, and he's like, well, I guess you are the Batman. Jean-Paul Batman st- says, yep, and then runs away, which was weird because they're both going to, like, the same place afterwards, and, like, they probably should have carpooled, and it's also raining, and it's like, Robin's just there now, I guess. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah, like, come on, Jean-Paul. Like, he knows where you live. Right, you know? right. Like, <laughs> like, we're neighbors. Can we just, like, carpool? It's raining. Yeah, don't be, a, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Just, yeah. I just stopped you from murdering a man. Don't be a dick. You're right. <laughs> uh, that is how the issue ends. Yeah. We have now had the full transformation in the, the scope of Nightfall between Bruce being run ragged by all the inmates free from Arkham to running Bane's gauntlet to eventually being broken by Bane and now the full transformation of Azrael into Jean-Paul Batman. Jason, what did you think about this issue? What did you think about Nightfall in its totality? Uh, it wore me down a little bit. <laughs> like, in the way, it like grew on me a bit. I, I liked this issue. I, I liked the, this issue rips, dude. Yeah, well, I remember reading it. I, I read it a bunch when I was a kid, you know, because I, yeah. I had it. And... I hadn't really read it since, and I liked it more than I thought I would. Uh, the yeah. ending of it, uh, Nightfall was like a little like it. It was definitely as a whole. I think like a big swing, you know. Like you yes, like to see absolutely. it. You like to see a big swing, and I think uh, to continue that metaphor, like it got fouled off a couple times you know what i mean like you got close yes yes but then but then it overall kind of like you know struck out but like i think that the thing that reminded me and about the other batman issues this month aside from um adventures is that the the art was very good i had no yeah. problem with the art in and of itself but i think they needed a, a different style than like the sort of like standard uh dc house style from like the 80s to like because yeah. like the impact the impact of the final fight and all the rain and like you know bane finally being defeated and all that it just didn't feel as the as punchy as it not like like so, not like they so not like they could have gotten him but like in in the style of like like mignola or something if he would have been drawing that like you would have right. felt like the, the the bigness of it okay okay i have a few <laughs> thoughts about that yeah. Firstly, 
I think Jim Aparo fucking crushed this issue. I oh, he did great. Even he though, did great. Even though I know you're talking about like, oh, if we got like a different artist, I think if we got a more 90s artist, this would feel more interesting. I think Jim Aparo is doing a fantastic job, but he's also like, like we've been saying before, he's a guy who gets the DC trains to run on time. He's a, he's an old standby and yeah, he's great. And I love this issue. The only reason, the only way that I can imagine this being like punched up is if like, you know, Todd McFarlane was drawing it or like, you know, like somebody extremely nineties, extremely flashy, you know, that kind of thing. I know you went to Magnola, but I, I want to take it. Like I want to dial up that it's the nineties are on a nine and I want to crank them up to a 10 basically. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean that, that would work too, but I was, I was just kind of thinking more in terms of, uh, and again, not to like, not to knock Jim Aparo at all. Like I, I thought the art was great and it, and it, and it worked very well. I just think it could have worked. The fight, the fight on better. the train, the fight on that the was, train, dude, that was, was so that was good. good. That yeah, was good. They, they do a thing where they get on the train and the train's running out of control and then the lights click off and it's, yeah. it's like the colorist really stepped up and like knocked it out of the park. The whole thing felt frantic. Jim Aparo drew it so that you never really, you're like off kilter the whole time through yeah. the whole thing. It's never a stable environment. It like, it was so strong and probably the, I would say that this issue other than maybe the issue where Bane broke his Batman's back, Bruce Wayne's back. Uh, probably the best two issues of the series, obviously, because it's Nightfall and that's the point of this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. But I would also agree with you that, like, there were some foul balls. Like, <laughs> there was some some Nightfall issues where I was just like, oh, this is this is not fun. <laughs> this is not yeah. a good time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, does this need to be to be in here? kind of thing like the, and the, how does this even link to the overall story what are we even doing yeah 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 it, yeah. it, it just kind of i don't know i think that you it sounds like you are thinking about the issues the nightfall issues more pessimistically and i'm looking at them more optimistically like i'm like li living for these moments in the nightfall issues where it all clicks together and you're like Oh, I'm glad it clicked together because it really wasn't for a long time. <laughs> well, well, I think I think I think some of it is like the function of. As again, the second thing we probably mentioned the most on the podcast is like just being shocked at like just how good the Batman Adventures books have been, you know? Yes. And, and, and when you have when you have like a single issue of one book that is just so much better than like six of like three different books and <laughs> yeah, even if those right. of of six of three different books are like fine and like fun and yeah. like enjoyable like i don't think i've read one where like i thought was like the worst thing ever like fuck i loved cry of the huntress for in its ridiculousness you know like sure but, sure but but i i think i think it like to be a bit fair to it it just suffered from that of like standing too close to something that's definitely much much brighter instead of being yeah. able to to keep that separate because i i'm like i read batman adventures and i'm like yeah guys see see what you can do like come on <laughs> these these people are comic book professionals too like hey man I, like i know it's hard i know it's yeah, very yeah, hard yeah. but like hey look 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 at these it's guys. funny that you brought up 
Cry of the Huntress because I feel like pre-Nightfall, there was a lot of lead up to like the bat offices being like, please care about Huntress. And then yeah. like she just drops off the map. Like she was basically showed up to mop up some goons in like one issue of all of this bat stuff. And that was it. And then yeah. instead of a Huntress miniseries, we got a Catwoman miniseries. So I was I was actually like mildly speculating that perhaps in the bat office they were like we got to make huntress a thing and then like fans just didn't give a shit about huntress and then they were like uh well we're gonna launch another thing in gotham who else do we have and they were like oh we'll do a catwoman thing and fans were like yeah yeah okay yeah yeah and and you just made me think of and kind of realize a thing that i was thinking about through all the all the nightfall books as i'm like robin so fucking whiny oh so my god damn jason whiny. jason but i love what, it but you know what i realized though is that what? you know tim drake's a teenager right and yep. again this is being written by like 30 and 40 year olds i'm yep. assuming i'm assuming they're about that age sure when, when sure. this came out and <laughs> people that age as as you and me are people that age will look at teenagers as being whiny little bitches <laughs> for for want yeah, of right. a better term right. that i'm sure right. i could use but like you know it's just like instead of writing a teenager like the way a teenager actually is it's like oh i'm I'm writing a teenager the way i perceive the them lens. all to be yeah. you know see i kind of i kind of let that slide because i'm imagining when these books are made it's like from the perspective of bruce wayne and then we shift from that to the perspective of Jean-Paul Batman. And yeah. I think from the perspective of Jean-Paul Batman, he's just like, listen, kid, leave me the hell alone. And in fact, I forgot to mention this. He, uh, or I guess this is in Detective 667, which we can get into if you want to get into. I feel like sure, we've sure. exhausted Nightfall. We, we know yeah. where we stand on Nightfall. On Nightfall. So... Nightfall is over. Detective 667 is the first issue with Night Quest, not Night's Quest, Night Quest. Night Quest the Crusade with a new design on the along the top of it that reflects that they have gotten rid of the numbers, but the logo is a quick way to identify these books as a Jean-Paul Batman book and not a Bruce Wayne book. I thought it was interesting that they got rid of the numbers because I think that they kind of learned their lesson by being like, oh, this Nightfall thing's a hit. We got to expand other books, but we don't want to number them out of order. And now we got Now we're stuck with it. So we're going to do the Scarecrow God of Fear. And that's not going to have a number, but the showcase is going to have a number. And then they were like, they got to Night's que Night Quest and they were like, no numbers. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that definitely that definitely seems like a lesson learned. You know, be like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. We'll just we'll just slap the title on whatever we consider the Night Quest we'll, storyline. We'll put the just... Night Quest logo on it, and that'll be it. So yeah, this we'll, is we'll figure it out. Detective six six seven. It's written by Chuck Dixon with pencils from Graham Nolan. Jean Paul Batman beats up some muggers in a park and laments that he doesn't have anyone to test his skills against. Now, he goes home and has a dream that Saint Dumas is telling him to just like keep doing what he's doing. I guess I. The dream was very weird. It was like not cryptic, but like also why is it in there? I don't know. It was very strange. Just keep being you. Just you know what? 
You're doing great, buddy. Get back out there. <laughs> no notes. No notes. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine St. Dumas appearing in a dream? He's like, I, I, I'm St. Dumas. And he's like, he's like, I've been doing everything. And he's like, yep, no notes. <laughs> <laughs> now scram, kid. I got <laughs> I got some I got some money on this game. Uh, Jean-Paul Batman stumbles onto a bat subway designed by Harold, who has now left the bat cave, I guess. With Ace, the dog, Batman's dog, I, nobody knows where they are. They just kind of got out of there. However, he did design this Bat subway before he left with Ace. The subway links into the regular Gotham subway, and Jean-Paul realizes he can kind of get around town more quickly with it rather than the Batmobile because of, I guess, congestion. I don't know. Well, which made me laugh as someone who's like, you know, a huge fan of like, you know, transit and wishes America had more sure, robust sure. public transit everywhere. I, I was like, all right, pro, uh, pro train Batman. I can, I can get behind. Yeah. 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 Pro, and you know, with a name like Jean Paul Batman, like he, he's probably grew up in a place that had trains more than right. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. He's European. So this is right he, up yeah. his alley. He's very yeah. excited by this. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Two identical twin cowboy gunslingers run into each other doing the exact same crime in a neighboring town. They team up and get a job in Gotham working for a mob boss named Dirty Dan Doyle. Jean-Paul Batman drives the Bat Subway around, and what's this? He's going to totally crash it into another train at 200 miles an hour. Will it happen? Find out next issue. The other thing that I didn't I didn't write down, but I think is a, was a really great moment was Robin goes to the Batcave and he finds that John Paul has bricked up the entrance to the Batcave for Robin. Just like, get the hell out of here. We're done. Yeah, just sort of, uh, what, what, what do the kids say these days? They left that, he left that on red. You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's just like, and it's just, mm, no, no. Like, you know what? I'm just gonna, here's, here's a brick wall. Just Jason. don't even want to take the time to talk to you. What do you think of the first issue of Night Night Quest? I always want to call it Night's Quest. Night Quest the Crusade. What did you think? I always wanted to call it Night's Quest too. That's always what it'll be in my head. Maybe it's a Mandela effect situation. Right. I thought the cowboys were fun. I thought yep. that the Bat Subway train was was silly and fun. I I did yeah. I did like the cliffhanger ending. But again, I, I had the same problem with the art as I did in Batman 500, like, and again, to qualify it, like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. Like it's very good art and it, and it, and the job's done very, very well. It's just, I think kind of like sort of the vibe they were trying to go for though, could have like been, uh, suited better if it was like slightly more like gritty, because I think that sure. the way the art is, is that, the cowboys are drawn as like like they would be in like a Western book that came out in like the 70s, you know, which yeah. again, like good art. But like if the point of the cowboys, I think, is supposed to be like, here's these silly cowboy characters, but they're deadly. And like we're playing off kind of the, right. the scary comedy of that, of that they actually impress these gangsters and like they'll just murder anybody. But they talk like uh, Wyatt Earp and shit, you know, yeah. uh, and I and I think with that style, like that kind of thing sort of got lost. And if it was like probably again for a bit, a bit more like, grittier of like a 90s style or something like that, 
Scott Peterson talks a lot about this a lot in the letters column of Batman Adventures about how the killing joke is the standard. And you can feel that this office really, really wants to do gritty stories, you know, like they really want like constant Frank Miller, David Mazzucchelli, like Batman year one. They want that. But like. It feels like they want that out of their artists and their writers rather than playing to the artist and writer's strengths. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because because like not everyone like there's a reason why it would always there's there's a reason why as for as as much as I can remember, Brian Boland has never had like a regular book in his entire career, <laughs> you know, where it's like, oh, here, Brian, Brian Boland's going to make ha, have this like, you know, great like 12 issue run on Spider-Man. It's like, no, 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 that's not going to it's. Here's the special Brian Boland issue that a year ago we we paid him. We started playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we started planning it because and I guess to to like to be fair to the artists on these books is that they're not allowed that, you know, like I think something sure. that actually helped in Batman 500 was he, he was given the space to all those extra pages. And so he yeah. could like take um he could make the action feel a lot bigger because he could actually spread out instead of being like. You know, instead of reading the script and being like, ah, shit, I got to cram like 18 things into two pages and like make it look readable, sure. Sure. you know. So, yeah. And and I think and to be fair too, like, I think I think my like my criticism of that is like, I, I will admit it's very nitpicky, you know. Yeah. But 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 it is just something that I like I just like I just noticed, you know. Sure. Sure. You know, but um, other than, I did like the silly cowboys. though. It's funny to go from. Batman 500, where it's like him and Bane fist fighting to the death on a runaway train that shoots into a building and like it's it's in the rain and it it, it gets closer to that gritty feel that you were talking about. And yeah. then we go from that to the first issue of Night Night Quest, the Crusade, and it's like we got these goofy cowboys and <laughs> Batman got his got a bat subway and i'm just like what's happening with the tone of this like we're all over the map all over oh, the map oh yeah hard just hard turns everywhere you know <laughs> just just taking those corners super tight like just yeah <laughs> yeah you know. i i uh i was charmed by it i in rereading nightfall in general i kind of remember why i liked it but also it's this is something that I, I always interact with in fiction is that I will quickly grab onto the stuff that I like and hold on to it. And the stuff that I don't like will will also very quickly fade away. Like if you ask me in six months, like how was Nightfall? I'd be like, it fucking ripped. I just read it. Bane and Batman fighting on the train. It was awesome. And I will forget like the poison ivy issue where she just like i don't know goes to a gala and then batman punches her and that that's it that's it yeah like poison ivied her way into some henchmen and it's like whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter and said stuff about plants yeah yeah said stuff about plants and then that was it and batman and then batman was tired at the end and that's the issue and like i 
it's I very quickly let go of that stuff and remember all the good stuff. And so I look forward to somebody asking me at some point how Nightfall was and me being like it fucking ripped, even though I know full well that it is a. I 60 percent kind of bad or boring stuff and 40 percent kind of interesting stuff in there. Yeah, it's sort of like like if someone asked me to to recommend it, I I, I would have to like know a lot more about their reading habits and their willingness to just like you got you got to roll with some stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. I do love the Alan Moore Steve Besiet run on Swamp Thing, right? Yeah. But especially that era of Alan Moore, it's like there are so many words, man. There are so <laughs> many words and like uh, Jason, can I tell you a secret between yeah. you and me only? Yeah. When Scarecrow is monologuing for like 10 pages in the uh, Shadow of the Bat books. I was I was skipping around a little bit, just a little bit. I I loved I loved those monologues because those monologues were written. It made to me anyway, made Scarecrow sound like the type of guy who knows who David Foster Wallace is, memorizes (laughs) a few of his quotes and then acts like he's like memorized like his whole like just to seem smarter. You know, it's just like just knowing these different like I'm going to quote Emerson now and it's going to sound really smart because it's like Emerson It's just like. You didn't read shit, <laughs> you know, you know, the same fucking Marx quotes as everybody else, <laughs> like, y- y- you know, right, but right, I, I, I did, I did dig that quite a bit. Well, I, for one, hope that next issue for Batman, that we find out that John Paul Batman just slams into an, a, another train on the same track coming right at him at 200 miles an hour and then the whole rest of the issue is just a funeral that that would be that would be such a great like uh bambi versus godzilla way of uh ending the <laughs> ending asriel's uh storyline oh uh, yeah just, <laughs> just splat just... <laughs> all right Poo- all right Poochie going back to his home planet <laughs> let's talk about batman adventures 13 fuck yeah It has the same team as the previous issue. Kelly Puckett writing, Mike Parabek penciling, Rick Burchett inking, Rick Taylor coloring, Tim Harkins lettering, Scott Peterson editing. We have a cover of Batman kissing Talia al Ghul on the cover in a house that is on fire. Jason. Fire. I didn't know that uh, this was Talia. Previous episode. I was like, make a stinger for the next episode. Did you know that this was Talia from the cover? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I maybe grabbed it from like the description on the DC Universe app. Oh, you filthy cheater. I think that's where I grabbed the, okay. the, All right. the stinger from. Well, let's uh let's get hey, into if it. You, if this you if is... you ain't cheating, you ain't trying hard enough. Remember that, kids. <laughs> this is Last Tango in Paris, Act One, an old flame. We start with this guy who walked into Gotham City Police Department headquarters, started throwing punches, begging him to be put into jail. Batman's like, did you get an address for him? And they're like, sure. So Batman's like checking out the apartment of this guy who was begging to be put into jail. Batman's like seeing a struggle. There's these great panels where Batman's like, he looks at like the broken door and he's envisioning the the 
door being kicked in. And he's, you know, looking around the room and he sees like a broken picture frame. He's imagining the guy being pushed into the picture frame. So he's like recreating the fight and the struggle that was happening in this apartment wordlessly through this whole issue. Yeah, yeah. That's like, my God, I, I loved it. Yeah, he's looking at the carpet and he's seeing the indentation in the carpet and he's he's like, oh, this person was wearing some heels, you know, and he eventually like finds a safe behind this like trunk and it has a book in it with a page ripped out and he's noticing the he has like a little device to read the indentation on the next page. Yeah, like and a says, red light or something. Yeah, it says meet Abdul Gotham Courthouse 3 a.m. So Batman knows that whatever this guy has been mixed up into, he was begging to be put into jail because he's afraid of somebody who came at them. And so he's like, OK, I got to find out what this dude was mixed up in. He's got to meet this 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 appointment. And we cut over to Talia Ghul and her two henchmen. And this guy that she's meeting and she is uh, trying to track down something. And Batman shows up after like they get some information out of the guy and Batman shows up and it's so good. He, he saunters into frame, takes Talia's hand and, and she's like, why? Hello, detective. And he's like, hello, Talia. And that you see the goon in the background. Love like that panel doing doing the DreamWorks face of like, what the? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The arch eyebrow. And yeah, and yeah. E- and even his and his I love his uh, his big meaty paws. It's like his, his yeah, hands yeah. are drawn like these big bear paws. You know, it's just yeah. so, so good. I, I appreciate I, artists drawing giant hands on people. Yes, now and again. absolutely. You know, like two two big hands on like a big guy is is always so effective to me especially in this kind of like more uh animation type of type of style yes so we have the guy kind of get in between them and he says none may touch the daughter of ras al ghul she is like stop you idiot because she knows what's going to happen batman clocks this dude rings his bell he goes down and then he hits the other goon two two hits of the goons the goons hitting the floor yeah the pages the page is so good and so effective. Like, and, yeah. and like the framing of everything is just great. God, what a great yeah. issue. Yeah. The, um, the page where Batman knocks out the two goons, it's a kind of like a, a diagonal composition. And Batman that like embraces that diagonal composition in one di- giant diagonal panel in the middle where he's like just punching a dude out. It's the the motion of the punch goes with the diagonal motion of the panel. And in the other two panels, he's either dodging or taking a crack at the other goon. Yeah, just perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Like Parobek. Just flex it. Oh, yeah. I will say, I will say Talia kind of looks different than she does in the regular cartoon. She's in this like jumpsuit with like a a pouch and gloves. It's kind of weird. Well, because she's working. She's working, I man. I swear. I swear she had a black hair originally, but she has brown hair in this. Maybe she does have brown hair. I don't know. I dug the jumpsuit a lot. I love the I loved her whole design. It's like the this like simple 
Yeah. Um, you know, you can make, you can design a, a sexy woman character and not have it all be like, you know, the skimpiest, like. Right. She doesn't rem- have to look like Lady Death. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, no, she's in like a mechanics jumpsuit and boots and gloves because she's on and she has like a utility belt. because she's on, she's on a fucking mission. You know, yeah. she's wor- she's working over here. You know, yeah. she might have to get a little dirty. So Batman knocks out the goons. She apologizes. She's like, they're fools, but they serve my father well. And Batman's like, you know, why'd you come here? She's like, well, I'm looking for this this statue. And she's like an employee of my father stole a statue. It has great value. And Batman's like, oh, the one at uh, 545 Mosswood. And she's like, yes, of course, that one. Of course, you're already on this because uh, they have this relationship. And I guess we have to kind of talk about like what the relationship is between Talia and Batman. Cause I don't know. They don't set any of that up. They assume that you know it. And the relationship is, is that Rachel Ghoul is, uh, this immortal that is being kept alive by the Lazarus pit. He has incredible power. He's what is he called? Like the head of the dragon or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, I, I honestly, yeah, I completely forgot like what, what, whatever his organization was supposed to be called. So he has immense power that he's amassed through hundreds and hundreds of years. And Talia is his daughter and no one is good enough for his daughter except for the world's greatest detective, Batman. So Talia and Batman have this like kind of will they won't they kind of thing going on where Raish really wants them to be together. Talia is even kind of into it. But Batman is like, no, I'm married to crime fighting kind of thing. Well, I think I think it was more like he very clearly loves Talia and like only yeah. turned down the, the marriage, marrying her because it meant that he would have to be in charge of uh, uh, Rajal Ghul's like organization. You sure. Know? And he, yeah. And he's like and he's like, well, no, that's like that. He's like, I'm not going to do that. Like and so right. like, yes. like even though it hurts him and like it's it humanizes him a lot. Right, right. You know. The core of his the core of Batman is like he wants justice and yeah. to like fold himself into this huge power structure of what Raish has going on is just even though he loves Talia, like that's not something that, you know, yeah. he wants. Yeah. And their dialogue is written so well. I love I love their back and forth. It's just. It's just really, yeah. really well done, you know, so the uh, the act ends with i leave gotham tonight to to continue my search i know uh you will follow me detective so i suggest we travel together and batman's like why and she's like why not and then he's like where's this thief now and you turn the page and it's act two paris is burning yeah which i was wondering if that was a reference to i mean obviously because the first act is called tango in paris so they're just making a bunch of paris references but Paris is Burning is a wonderful uh, legendary documentary. Oh, it is. I didn't know. That. Yeah, it came out in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's about drag houses in New York City, because a lot of uh, gay and transgender uh, people, especially in the 70s and 80s, would run away from home because very yeah. dangerous for them there. And sure. They would, and they would um, join these like houses that they ended up being called where they would compete in drag competitions against each other. Uh, the, the FX show pose was based on like that oh, whole that's scene. 
And Paris is Burning is, is I think you probably find it for free on YouTube. They used to play it on IFC all the time. It's just this beautiful, beautiful story of like these people and like the community that they made and the found family that they had. And then, of course, just like really awesome drag queen stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But but yeah, but I wondered I wondered if that was like a reference to that, because if they were like, especially if they were uh, if Kelly Puckett was living in New York City at the time, you know, yeah, in the late I 80s, early 90s, he, he might have like easily have you know no, i'm trying to like mentally that. mentally kind of like put together found family with bat family because there is there is some sort of like connection there with like yeah batman and his his many orphans that he takes in and yeah you know yeah. and his relationship with talia is kind of weird and found family stuff yeah, yeah. you know well, I, mean, I, I i guess a loose a loose connection Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just more like it had Paris in the title, you, you know, yeah, but sure. like, yeah. So they were like, like, we're using this. <laughs> yeah. But I, th- but, I, but I think like I, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, maybe he was like, oh, what, you know, s- stories that have Paris in the title. And he's like, oh, that that really cool documentary I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Paris is yeah, burning. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. It's, you know, it's just a cool sounding sentence. You know, Paris sure, is burning. Sure. Like it's all dramatic and shit. So tell us tell us about act two. Act two, we open up to the sun rising over the Eiffel Tower and Bruce Wayne meditating in his hotel room. He hears mm-hmm. a noise and he flips. He does a handstand backflip to the door in his yep. boxers. And it's Talia dressed for a day out in Paris in a nice little two-piece number. She's very, yeah. very fashionable, worldly, this woman. And gives uh gives bruce some shit for not being dressed yet and yeah, uh yeah and they start they start walking around i love i love the tourist scene in the back by the arc de trio you yeah. know just this whole sequence was just beautiful they're just walking around paris and they see kids playing and they're like looking at sites and going to like the famous like paris like booksellers and the right. whole time too i loved uh how we're reminded that bruce wayne is actually just like a huge dude you know like he's just like huge dude he's just taller and wider than like everyone but he's just like hey just a nice day like hello hello it's like right you know there there should be some sort of sappy like love song playing over this like this like montage you know but the montage is just it's just done so well because it's so effective because they're just like actually like having fun and taking a like they're being real people Right. It's it's you know? a very like lighthearted. There's no dialogue. It's like they go to the Arc de Triomphe, like you said. They go to Pont Neuf, the bridge that's famous in in Paris. Yeah, the lover. You know, that's the lovers' bridge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, he buys her a book that she loves. You know, like yeah, they're watching kids play in the fountain. They're getting caught in the rain. You yeah. know, it's it's like the book shifts from like Batman doing his Batman thing in Gotham. To like, oh, now it's a romance book. Get oh, on board. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I also I also wrote in my notes that like really reminded me of a, a classic, like almost Tin Tin style of story, you know. Absolutely. Of of just like it's it's globe trotting, it's like there's like mm-hmm. some sort of like maybe love interest or whatever, but like, you know, in Tin Tin, it's just like, well, he's a kid and Hergé was a hyper Christian. So like that kind of stuff was never going to happen, but like, it's still just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. fun and fun and lighthearted. And like, we're going to yeah. travel around the world and draw some like uh, uh, landmarks and stuff. And 
you know, take 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 you to this whole other place. I think that's the other thing too. It's just like very like I like when uh stories and I think especially this works in adventure stories like this, uh, where they like lean into the famous place that they're in, you know? Sure. Like, oh, here's like someone like, you know, walking around with a baguette. Here's, yeah. you know, all these <laughs> yeah, landmarks. Yeah, yeah. Y- yeah. You know. I'm reminded of the uh the issue with Catwoman where she stole the crown jewels in England and was like oh, dangling yeah. from Big Ben, you know? It's it's that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just it's just so much fun. And then after getting caught in the rain, they Natalia's like, "Man, like this was she's like, I wasn't sure you'd agree to spend uh, the day with me. I'm I'm glad you did." And she's so happy. And Bruce replies, "Well, so am I." And then there's a a, a minute where they say nothing. And then Bruce is just immediately like, well, we should go. It'll be dark soon. And you can just, her eyes yeah. just go, Ugh. Yeah. It's God. like she, she Damn. worked really hard to like drag Bruce away from Batman for like just a moment. Yeah. And it's like, you can't ever get Bruce away from Batman. Batman and Bruce are the same person. Yeah. And he like the crime fighting will always come first. Yeah, well, or there, there's that great panel of, uh, I'm not even sure what book it's from, but it gets passed around the internet sometimes of uh, Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman all holding on to the lasso of truth and, like, saying who they are, you know? And then yeah. he gets it, like, you know, and Superman's like, I'm Kal-El, like, last son of Krypton, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, and it gets to, to Bruce and he just goes, I'm, and he's holding on to the lasso of truth and he just goes, I'm right. Batman. Yeah. And then, that yeah. like, that was, it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's, He's pretty accurate to yeah. how Bruce is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's not, and, and like he's telling the truth. He can't not tell the truth mm-hmm. and his obliviousness to it too. And he's like, okay, that day was fun. Now it's time for Batman stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to, I, I'll always appreciate a, I guess this wouldn't technically be binocular view, but like, I always loved it when they did this in like the A team when I was a kid, when they were like, looking through binoculars and they overlay that like cut out you know oh yeah on, yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. the camera like the they binoc- do the- like you're seeing what the binoculars see kind of thing it, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i was i always appreciated that like just a real a real quick nod to like someone's looking at this from far away yes you know just a just a nice a nice quick cheap little cheap little effect that you can you can throw in there that can say a lot with a little so we get binoculars looking at some house. Yeah, looking at a house, uh, Talia and the Batmans watching out to see what's going on. Batman knocks. I really like this sequence. Knocks on the door and the, the man they were chasing who's wearing a feds. I love that he was wearing a feds. Yeah, like dude. Another thing that like reminded me of like a Tintin, like international adventure. Sure. Sort of yeah, thing. Definitely got that vibe. Um, but there's there's a knock on the door and then Batman just punches through the door into the back through of his head. the door. So good is such a great Looney Tunes. Just, <laughs> yeah, you know, un, unstoppable. But then Batman gets the drop, gets the drop taken on him. Yeah. So Batman, Batman punches through the door and he's like, I want the statue. And the guy's like, it's in there. And the, Batman yeah. opens the door and it's. All the guns pointed at Batman's face. Yeah. It's it's one of those panels that's like, you know, on Twitter where people are like, 
what opinion of Transformers would have everyone like this? And it's like all the swords that pointed at a guy oh, who's yeah, like yeah, sitting yeah. there, you know? Yeah. It's it's this is the Batman Adventures version of that. Yeah, the the <laughs> the shocked Batman face. Yep. Is like big eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that the guy in the background, too, is like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we turn the page. And yeah, Batman and Talia are, are tied up. And I have to say uh, my goon count in this book, really low. Not really too many goons, goons to goons. speak of. Talia's goons were OK. You know, I like, you yeah, know, they're all right, right, but not. But this very round villain in a fez and a green yes. suit. I, I am all about that. That is that is filling my 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 goon void has been filled. I don't know if we ever get his name, but he's the one who's uh, looking for the statue or buying the statue. He's like an old villain or an old enemy of races or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just in a giant green suit with a fez. And it's just like, yeah, this dude rips. He's, and he's just he's so very wide. You know, yep. yep. He's, it's got like he's got a horizon on him. Right. You know? <laughs> and uh, they're they're all tied up and they're throwing the the the, reg- the goons who are just in like, the, I don't know, black German art student get up, you know, sure. black yes. turtlenecks are dousing the place with petrol. I really yeah. appreciated the little petrol thing instead of gas. It's a petrol can. I also uh, liked there. that they were dumping gas all over the place and one of the goons is smoking. And the lead guy is smoking. I'm just like, oh, guys. Well, it is France. It is you know? France. I mean, even even nowadays, you know, it's France. And so, yeah, they're going to they're going to trap him in there and set the house on fire. And when they run out, they'll uh, shoot him and, and, and kill him because he uh, he's a villain. And that's he's that's a what villain. The villains villains done do. So act three, where there's smoke act. So the bad guy is like, I give the woman another five minutes, 10 for the American. And so that the goons have surrounded the place with guns. They're waiting for them to run out of the burning house to be shot to death. Batman's like, you know what to do. And she's like, yes, but what are you what you're doing is so dangerous. I must know something first. When you turned down my father's offer to marry me and take his place. Was it only because you hate my father's work or did you not find me? And then Batman just bends her over and kisses one straight on the lips. <laughs> when I read that in my head, the uh, the saxophone line from Lethal Weapon just started playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a really man. If you had any doubts that you might not be reading a romance book, like put those doubts to rest because you oh, yeah. are reading a romance book. They are. Full on making out around the flames of the house burning down around them in order to reassure Talia that that Batman is like, yes, I, I really do like you. Well, and, and the and the look on her on her face, though, the expression she has when she's asking is, is just very much like, yeah, did you from, not find me attractive? She's like it, she's like pleading with him almost. Yeah, yeah. well, it's it's like the um, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, a streetcar named Desire. You know, with Brando and the lines and stuff in that, because it's a very like heavy movie. Sure, and it's like, oh, oh, it's Stanley. 
you know, like <laughs> it does like, have that kind of melodramatic. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And when they kiss, when he plants one on her and how she's like, it's again, the 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 classic like romance comic, like bent back kind of yeah, pose yeah. like she's yeah. being swept up, but there's fire all around. It's so sure. freaking dramatic. God. Uh, so we turn the page and Talia's like, be careful. And Batman's like, you know, he's got stone faced Batman. Yep. He's I, Batman's going to work, basically. Batman fires his grappling hook in, indoors, grapples to the wall, basically, and then uses that like momentum of his grapple line to like basically shoot him through the window out of the house. So he's going like 30 miles an hour, like out of this out of this freaking burning building. And he does not even touch the ground. He just like like a rocket just knocks out one of the goons. The guy outside is smoking. He's got his rifle. And then there's this great three panels, three tiers on the page where Batman is like coming out of the window. And he's got his like arms in front of his face because he's like burst through the window. And the, he's the guy with the rifle is like caught off guard and it's like cigarettes out of his mouth. And then the guy with the rifle has dropped the cigarette out of his mouth and he's like, kind of starting to level the rifle at him, but Batman is now closer with his fist out. And then by the time you get to the last panel, Batman is clocking the guy and he never had a chance to like even level the rifle at him. Always love the Mike Parbeck's judicious use of, of a panel break because the, yeah, it, it, yeah. it makes that, that punch like so much better when like there's a build up to it. You know, you don't just like right. start with it. Here's a build up and then impact. You and know, Batman's moving so fast in these panels that the the panel break feels earned, you know? Yeah. And, and it's so I think one of the hardest things to do in comic books, especially in like an action scene, is showing and displaying speed properly. Yeah. It's just such a tough trick to pull off, you know, mm -hmm. and I think like the action scenes in this whole book and like this this page specifically is a good kind of like marker of it of like yeah it shows how quick it is like you know it's broken up but like it it does it has this great kind of like slow motion effect right yeah you it know? feels like you're you're watching it in slow motion like oh batman's gonna get him oh is he gonna level yeah. the gun he's not gonna level the gun oh it's happening oh yeah. he clocked him yeah and, and then you can immediately picture the like one second the like snap that that took to do you right. know like slow right. motion and then boom that dude gets laid out and the other goons around the corner from the building see him being laid out and the the main guy the boss is like go quickly kill the batman the goons are rushing with the guns to go kill batman and the head guy is getting into a car to get the hell out of there and he it's this line is so good he's like i could have just shot him but no I must lock him in a build burning building. Why? Why must I have so much style? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I really laughed at that because it was such a great acknowledgement to the trope of the villain, like giving the oh, hero yeah. an out and also a great um, excuse for the <laughs> for, for Kelly Puckett to, right, you right. Know, as to, to, to why this guy would it, do that. It's like, oh, well, he's just dramatic. So. Yeah. It was it feels like a uh, 
very like Austin Powers joke <laughs> thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. J- just, Where they're just like, kind oh, of... yeah, sharks with laser beams. How else would I do it? You know, like we can't just we can't just shoot him. Like, yeah. Where's where's the fun in that? I'm supposed to be <laughs> right, right, an evil right. guy that has fun by doing these terribly convoluted evil plans. <laughs> you, you so know. the goons the goons run around the corner they're like where is he batman jumps off the roof cape ablaze with the burning building in the background and then we just cut to the car driving in the distance and then a gunshot and then the the gunshot takes out the tire and talia's there and she has shot the car the car crashes meanwhile batman is just beating up goons clocking them with their own with their own guns disarming them talia catches up to batman she's like i have it i have the statue you know they're they're triumphant and batman's like good now tell me what's inside it and she was like how did you microfilm it contains information extremely damaging to my father's operations microfilm 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 but I love that exchange where Batman is like, tell me what's inside it. At first, she's like, how did you know? But then she knows, like, you're dealing with Batman. He's the world's yeah. greatest detective, you yeah. know? She was like, oh, I should have told you earlier, but... And he's like, if you told me, you wouldn't have had a patsy. And she's like, no, if I'd have told you, we wouldn't have had Paris. And she's like, got a tear in her eye. The house is burning in the background. It's so good. It and is. then we get the last page where she drops the statue. Batman standing in front of the burning building, being as stoic and, and stone faced as ever. And then the house burns to the ground and Batman's still standing there. And then it starts raining and Batman's still standing there, just absorbing the loss of the of the romance. It was so good. Again, her 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 facial expression and that single tear, yeah, you know, that that oh, single, man. yeah. It, this issue ripped. I I really liked it. I was worried for a little while because I know that the previous two issues were good, not great, and this issue was just so much fun. The Talia being dressed a little different kind of threw me for for a loop, but other than that, like everything was really great. The only thing that I lament is like. I wish that they made this at a time with modern coloring because the burning house could could have looked so, so good. Jason, this issue could have been as a colorist, as a colorist. All you want is like a weird tube that's glowing in the room or a house that's on fire or like somebody with like holding a flashlight or like (laughs) lanterns in a dungeon. Like all you want are these like amazing light sources that are like dramatic and interesting. And this issue just was like absolutely packed with them. The only thing that could make it better was if it had some modern coloring on it. But other than that, man, an absolute banger. It seems like Power Beck loves, or I don't know if this is Puckett's doing or maybe the whole team, like, but man, they, they love opening on a big, you know, they love opening big, like their first right. page. Yes. Like they're yes. just like right in there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. What do they call it? And, in media res. You're like, yeah. you're in the mix of it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 
even before we catch up to Talia and it turns into like a romance comic, when Batman's like going over the crime scene and like piecing it together silently, yeah. like those panels are so good. It, They're it, so, so good. It, they are so, I, I reread them all, quite a bit and it so reminded me of, this came out years later, but I don't know if you ever read uh, Cave-In by Brian Ralph. Uh, yeah, was, yeah, I was, read it years yeah, ago. Yeah, he was part of the the Fort Thunder guys, and it's just it's all it's a pantomime book. There's no words whatsoever, and it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful story, and because it has no words, it's so much more impactful. But that kind of thing can be super super hard to pull off, you know. Yeah. Um, and like yeah, those pages it just seemed it it seemed effortless. Like that was like another thing that that I wrote down. It seemed like I know it's not, but like the whole issue just seemed like it just seemed effortlessly great it felt like to me like oh yeah this is how batman should always be you know yeah. what i mean yeah exactly like, this is this is natural this is what i want out of batman i don't want convoluted explanations i don't want like tons of dialogue of batman alone in a room because he has to explain it to the reader yeah. just like show me just show me and i'll get it you yeah. know like some of my favorite tv is certain episodes of like uh, Star Trek The Next Generation you know like when you yeah. find like a really good just single episode of like right, Star Trek right. The Next Generation you're like holy shit like that's how you right. do it yeah 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 speaking of TV when Batman was going over the crime scene and it was kind of like he was piecing it together yeah wordlessly the piece of television that leapt to my mind was from an episode of The Wire where the two detectives, McNulty and Bunk, yep. are like going over the crime scene and all they're saying is fuck over and yeah. over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't need to communicate with each other. They've done this so many times before. They're just like, look at this thing. You know what that means. And that's it. That's that's all. And that's all you need for that. That scene. You know? Oh, yeah. There's a reason why like Buster Keaton films are still really funny. Yeah, you, totally. You know, because you don't you don't need words i mean they they can be helpful right. and of course comics are about like words and pictures but when it is just the pictures and it works really really well there's just nothing else like it like it's a really i think truly Absolutely. when 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 they sing you know when when that kind of stuff happens yeah. it's just such a perfect example of like just how powerful of a visual medium you can you can be Absolutely. But I'm, we're singing its praises and I'm saying effortless as a huge comp compliment because I'm almost positive it wasn't. I'm sure there was a lot of. Right. Right. There's a lot of mastery of and, skill that yeah, goes into yeah. making something seem effortless, both on Kelly Puckett's writing and on Mike Parobeck's art choices. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't just like come out the gate. Right. Like this. Right. I, I really felt like this week, too, was a perfect example of like. The mainline bat continuity feeling extremely 90s. Like this can only exist in the 90s, the mainline bat uh, continuity. Yeah. And then this issue feeling absolutely timeless. Like, oh, yeah, you could pluck this issue and put it anywhere and anytime. And it's always going to read the same. And it's always going to read well. Man, what a great what a great story. Just to, you yeah. know, especially so after good. like 
and it wasn't like a misfire just wasn't as good the man bat story wasn't as good the man bat story and the harley quinn was dense densely packed so that was like it was it was okay it wasn't great you know but it was like it was good yeah Yeah, Um, it was a cute cute little introduction of the characters and it was done well but this this feels like back into the groove of what makes batman adventures really great oh yeah top notch for sure you want to go to the letters column? Yes. Yes. You didn't get a chance to read a lot of the letters column, so I'm going to read some to you. There was a lot of letters from children this time around. So let me, let me read one to you. Okay. Dear Batman, will you come to visit me and spend the night at our house? I know where you live, Gotham City. Where is Gotham City? What's your phone number? My name's Charlie, and I'm four years old. I love the pictures in your comic book. I love you. Charlie Pratt Martinez, Denver, Colorado. And Scott says, Batman's a little too busy to come for a visit right now, Charlie, but he, he's glad you really like him. He likes you, too. There was, there, there was a lot of letters like that. Here, here's another one. Scott, how many years does it take to be an animator? I'm six years old. I want to be an animator when I grow up. I like to draw Batman, and I'm very good at it. Paul Grant, Solfang, Solvang, California. Scott says, it takes quite a while to learn to be an animator, Paul, but you've got a good jump on it. Keep practicing and take as many art classes as you can, and you'll be well on your way. I hope, I hope that Paul became an animator one day. I hope that that dream did not get crushed from him. A lot of letters like that. I love the confidence. Yes. He's like, I can draw Batman and I'm very good. Yeah, I, I'm good. You think I? You think just because I'm six that I suck? No, 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 no. Let me read the uh, two letters that won because that won the uh, art contest because they're also my two favorite letters. The first one says, dear Batman Adventures team. And then it's got an entire paragraph that's crossed out. And then it's got a second paragraph that that's crossed out. So let me read those paragraphs to you. You might do well to stop producing the Batman adventures. Issue six can't be topped. The the display, blah, 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 blah. It goes on to gush about issue six. And then he goes, discontinue Batman adventures. Issue seven can't be topped. And he goes on to describe (laughs) issue seven. And then he's like, and then the paragraph that's not crossed out is Retire Batman Adventures. Issue nine can't be topped. And I mean it this time. It's like great cover. You're worthy of the street sign. Scott Scott uh, Peterson was uh, featured in a street sign. Um, classic opening page. Uh, wonderfully colored, bursting with action. Very little dialogue. This is what comics were meant to be. Hang it up, boys. Quit while you're still gods. And uh, that was from. That was from Keith Eldred in uh, Holly's Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania. Scott said, geez, and considering uh, that both this issue and the last were even better. What does that make us now? Oh, the power, the power. (laughs) I I, I enjoyed that letter, but my favorite letter. That was a clever. That was a clever letter. My favorite letter. And, and we'll get into why, mostly from Scott's reaction, was this one. Dear Batman Adventures, I just finished issue 9, and wow, you made a cartoon without cells, film, or camera. 
The construction and layout of the book is wonderful, and the movement is inspired. Thank you for telling a story without spoon-feeding every detail. This is the stuff that inspires kids to become cartoonists and comics illustrators. A question for the team. What artists inspire and influence your work? From page one, I'd guess maybe Will Eisner. Again, thanks for the best comic I've seen this year. After this issue, you won't need a contest to get readers to write in. That's from Brian K. Hull in Nashville, Tennessee. And Scott responds with, there's not a person working in comics today who hasn't been influenced by Eisner, whether they know it or not. As for the rest, I asked for one name from each of them, and this is what they said. Kelly said Frank Miller. Mike Parbeck said uh, John Byrne. Rick Burchett said Jack Kirby. Rick Taylor said C.C. Beck. And Tim said Hoy Eisman. And for me, Alan Moore. So some of these I had to look up because like, obviously we all know Frank Miller, you know, Dark Knight Returns, uh, Batman Year One. Yeah. You know, 300, you know, blah, 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 on and on and on. And John Byrne, same thing. He's a, a legend within the comics industry. But yeah, I had to look up C.C. Beck. He is uh, his notable works include creating Captain Marvel. So he made Captain Marvel for Fawcett Comics way back in the day. Wow. He uh, passed away in 1989. So I, I this was five years after his death. So he was probably still on the forefront of people's minds. But because he died in 1989 and I'm not the biggest Captain Marvel fan, like I did not know who that was. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. I mean, also like Captain Marvel just being that old, what I'm assuming is the I, I imagine that as a kid, like those were the cheap comic books he was able to find. You know, we're probably right, like exactly tor- torn up editions of, of Fawcett, like Shazam books and stuff. And but probably just right. like bought them by the boatload for like a nickel a pop, like just to have comic books to read, you know. So High Eisman is a, an American cartoonist. He is still alive. He is 95 years old. Fuck. Good for <laughs> so, him. So he is a living legend. He his best notable works are Little Lulu and the Popeye comic strip and the Cats and Jammer kids. Oh, shit. That's where uh, Kirby got his start. Yeah. Yeah. He got got his start uh, drawing uh, like storyboards and stuff for like early Popeye cartoons and strips. And yeah, right. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just wanted to uh, point that out that the inker, letterer and colorist are the three most interesting answers out of that entire group. Everybody else is like, oh yeah, Alan Moore and Frank Miller, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) John Byrne, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Well, which like, you know, like there's a reason why the the big names are the big names, you know, when people are like, I'm not trying to like undercut Frank Miller's like contribution to the industry or like, Oh no, no, no. Yeah, no, no. I know that. But, but, but it's also like, but I do feel for the people who like, you know, it's like when it's honest, right? Like even when it's right. honest, you know, but but you still wish you could come up with like the cool answer. Like everyone, yeah, yeah. like everyone knows that like you were influenced by the Beatles, you know, and it's just like, it's not, <laughs> it's not like, yeah, yeah. it's not, you're not going to get cool points. You're not going to lose it, but like, you're not going to get cool points by being like, oh, I love the Beatles and here's my encyclopedic knowledge of it. But if you're like, 
you know, oh, the most influential record on me as a musician was this like 1973 recording in a Japanese jazz club that, you know, uh, yeah, 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 Ornette yeah. Coleman yeah. did with this person who, you know, that'll make you sound cool. But I do appreciate right, the honest right. answer of like, no, nah, man, the fucking Beatles, of course. Like what? Like that's. Yeah, right, 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 right. It's like it's like saying uh, who who influences uh, your comics and you're like, oh, uh, Will Eisner, Jack Kirby, and uh, Alex Toth, and it's like, yeah, well, no. that's that's all of comic books. You've just yeah. described the influences of all of comic books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just you just describe the 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 people who like invented it, and then yeah, and then you go <laughs> and then you go like and then you go like oh well like you know like uh, Osamu Tezuka as well was a really it's like, yeah, well, right, okay, exactly. you know, like it's same like fucking all right, thing, yeah, yeah. man. Like sure, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah. like no right, shit. Yeah. Like you and everybody else, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Jason, you want the stinger for the next issue? Oh yeah, give me that stinger. Next issue. So who's been watching Gotham while the Batman's been off gallivanting around the world? None, none other than the Boy Wonder, of course. Be here next month when he runs up against the Ventriloquist and Scarface in. Pu- there are. Pug Puglic Enemy P U G Puglic Enemy by Kelly Mike Rick Rick and Tim. See you then. All right, should we hit the two read pile? Yeah, I'm gonna punch it in its face. D- Jason, again, please do not. Very, very violent. Please. Very violent. So I read. Fantastic Four for full circle. Did you pick it up? Because I was no. texting you about it. Oh sh- no, I, I I I do want to. I mean, you can talk about it all you want. I don't care about spoilers. I, I will read okay. it. Okay, Fantastic Four full circle by Alex Ross. Um, he wrote it and drew it and colored it. I saw a lot of artists tweeting about this, and not a lot of writers tweeting about this book. And I think that's pretty indicative of like where people were falling on it. Um, at least that's how I felt about it. It's a very like art focused book. So that's kind of typical Alex, of Alex Ross, though. It is typical of Alex like, Ross. Now, full dis- full disclosure before I get into this about what I liked and what I didn't like. Full disclosure. I'm not the biggest Alex Ross fan. When Marvels came out um, in the 90s, it felt like this giant leap forward. How a lot of people felt when like Electra Assassin came out, yeah. you know, with Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, you know, it felt like Alex Ross was on to this new idea of what comics could be. But I, f- I feel like personally since then, he's kind of been doing the same thing over and over again. And it's like. No fault to him. His audience likes it. He likes to do it. You know, whatever. That's fine. It's yeah, totally it's, fine. I, 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 tend, I tend to agree. I think um, the, the work of his I like the best is uh, Kingdom Come. And that's mostly because I think the story in it is fantastic. Like, I think Mark. Well, Wayne, he just I mean, did. He just did covers on that. No, no. Kingdom Come was. Um, oh, the, Kingdom Come. I'm thinking of Earth X. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but I lo- and, and and it's Alex Ross art, so it's good. You know, it's really really good. Yeah. You know, right, but, but like right. that's that story was great, and I think like that's why I like that 
a lot more more you know and then like covers right. by him are cool like i love all his astro city covers and that that to me i, yeah. I look at alex ross more as like i enjoy the cover like work that he does and like the pinup work and that kind of stuff that he does but like the comics work is like it's you know like you said like it's there, there are people who really like th- his style of of it but it, yeah i can take so, or leave it a lot alex has a fan base and I don't fault him for catering to his fan base, but it, it never really like really resonated with me. Um, so I never really like was seeking out his work. Yeah. I find a lot of the stuff that he does when he does covers, he's at his best, like his, um, immortal Hulk covers. I really like, yeah. Uh, from this past couple of years, those are fantastic, but he, when he gets into comic work, I always felt like things feel a little too cluttered. There's like a clarity problem that I really drives me up the fucking wall. Cause like, I'm like, Alex Ross, you know better, you know better than this. And yeah. Yeah. And also as a colorist, like we are the last line of defense for clarity to like, so, so oftentimes when I read something and something is not clear, like, there's this because I've been trying to make clear comic books for clear, readable comic books for like the past 20 years. Yeah. I'm like, it drives me crazy when I open a book and it's like, oh, you could have just made this better by doing this one simple thing. This like it, it, just a little foreground, middle ground, background work would have really popped this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like some um, con- some contrast, like you really could have like dealt with some like more, right. more like contrasting elements like here and there. And yeah. And so Alex Ross, I feel like, uh, is kind of weak with that. And even though he, he kind of reinvented himself for this book, Mm. it doesn't really, his, his deficits are still there. They're still showing. So even though it's like, and let me get into how he reinvented himself. Yeah, Yeah. So instead of doing like full painted illustrations, he's doing like ink drawings and he's doing, uh, kind of like. It's almost like old school coloring. This whole thing is very, very much a throwback to like Jack Kirby, Fantastic Four stuff. And he is putting a filter on every single page of just dots, like trying to make like a texture for the page to make it look like it's it's printed in like the old way kind of thing. Yeah, like full of zip tone and right, right. Exactly, exactly. But the problem that I have as a colorist is that like I've done a lot of zip tone over the years and just like adding a layer on top of the art of like, I'm just going to put some very light dots over the whole thing. Like doesn't work as well as you ever think it does. <laughs> like, yeah, my problem was is every time I saw the dots, I was just like, ah, oh, again, I was like, yeah, it, it, every time it took me out of it. So anyway, that's my own nitpick aside. He's doing this like, you know, penciled inked stuff, which we don't normally see from Alex Ross. And then he's doing colors on it. And he's normally he's doing like shades of stuff, you know, like some of it's flat. Some of it's got like one or two cuts, like light and dark shadow. And then every once in a while, he'll do like a full painted thing with flat colors. So there's this weird kind of like space that he's playing in where some of the stuff is just 
black ink, white paper, flat colors. Some of it is, you know, that same black and white with like a couple of cuts on it. And then some of it is full rendered black and white ink tone with like a flat color on it. And the spaces where the book thrives is where you have this like juxtaposition, like the Fantastic Four are going into what is it? The negative zone. Yep. And they are in this like ship and the ship is all like Kirby esque. And like, like I said, it's a big throwback. Uh, So it's got these Kirby esque vibes and that's all like flat tone, black and white. And then the negative zone out the windshield is like these full rendered things. And it not only does it feel like interesting, but it's also feels like an expansion on like what Jack Kirby was doing in the seventies, where he was doing some photo collage backgrounds and stuff with his art on top of it. It feels like that. And that's the stuff where I'm like, fuck yes. I'm like, this is the good stuff. Yeah. It feels like he, it feels like Alex saw that and he was like, I can do that, but I can make it my own and make it work and make it sing. And he definitely did. And then you turn the page and it's a fucking nightmare again. And that's the problem with the whole book is that like it's him taking like a lot of big swings and then you will love a page. You will love an image. The drawing will be absolutely beautiful. The creatures he's making in the negative zone will be like really, really interesting. And then he'll be like, oh, I'm not going to have gutters here. And then the thing is going to be talking to uh, Mr. Fantastic and he's going to be on one side of the panel and then he's going to be on the other side of the panel. And then since there's no gutter, it just looks like this weird shape of the thing on the page where it's like, fuck, dude, just put a gutter in like you're killing me. You're killing me. Yeah, yeah. Like there's yeah, there's nothing there that's uh, breaking up the moment to moment for you. Because you don't well, think, I just you don't think gutters just want, like will fit. And so, you know, like I just want clarity, Jason. Yeah. I just want clarity. I just want him to like there's a, a great shot where the Fantastic Four are trying to they're invisible from the invisible woman and they're creeping around uh, a nihilus who's like sitting there like eating handfuls of like little creatures you know and he's huge in the foreground and they're creeping around in the background and that shot calls for like some real strong like background middle ground foreground and since alex just like inked everything and everything is busy because it's all this like kirby crackle everything's there's all this stuff going on it just flattens out immensely And I was like, oh, this is like a really great moment, a really great opportunity. And it just missed on clarity just a little bit in a way that I feel like, especially because I'm a colorist, I'm like, oh, man, if you just just like tweak a a little bit of it, you'll be okay, You know? Yeah, I think I think sometimes where uh, people like uh, Alex Ross who want to do sort of like a, a tribute to Kirby because he's, you know, he's Jack Kirby, like, of right. course, you know, and, and of course someone being Alex Ross's age, which I think he's probably like what in his early sixties at this point, like around that. Yeah, I think so. Like probably like, like his first comic books were like seventies Kirby. And so like, you know, he's yeah. like, like shit, like that stuff is very influential to him, but his art style cannot like 
I would have to imagine that his his art style cannot allow him to be as exaggerated as Kirby could get. See, but like, know. I I feel like he pushed himself. Like, yeah, I yeah. think this is okay. Let me That's, just say it, this: it's so, making me. It's, you're so, still you're making me want to read it because I, I I'm very right, interested right. in seeing I, Alex Ross I try something so completely it. different. You know, it's, it's right. so. I think you should read it. Fascinating. One to because he is trying something completely different, like you said, but. The other thing is, is because I think anytime an artist takes a big swing and like makes a radical change, I think it's worth picking up always, always. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the story is is like kind of just generic, fantastic forward adventure kind of thing into the negative zone and out of the negative zone. Yeah, um, it's fine. It's just kind of there, which is why I was like, yeah, I didn't see a lot of writers talking about this book, but I saw a lot of artists talking about this book. I think that this book is a really great piece of art. But I don't think it's a great comic book. And I I was like, I was thinking about like, oh, should I mail this to you? Because I think that you might like it. But then I was like, I think I want to read it again. You know, yeah, like I think I, I still think there's meat in there that I that I want to like check out. But like my my impression of it was like. I don't want to read it again to read a comic book. I want to read it again to check out an art piece. I want to see what Alex is doing in there and like live in the space with him. Yeah, but I I don't care to ever read it, read it ever again. Yeah. So because of that, it's like a kind of a weird book that exists in this weird space. But uh, if Alex does anything else like this again, I'll pick it up for sure. Like, I think that it's interesting. And if he evolves from here and kind of like tackles some foreground, middle ground, background stuff, tackles a little bit of clarity, puts in some gutters. Like, I think like I would have loved it. I would have like over the moon about this book but the way it stands right now i'm like and the book but excited about the art and craft of it more than anything else yeah i think i think maybe um i'm I'm definitely gonna get it soon um i think that maybe he might do well to like collaborate a bit more you know i felt like if this book had a strong editorial voice yeah i think it could have really come together in a really beautiful way yeah or or if he had a co-writer or if he let someone else either ink or color him with the understanding that he has like a final sure he, like he, he ha- he'll have more say over that kind of stuff more than another artist would on another on a regular book sure yeah you yeah, know yeah. and because because I, I think what happens sometimes is i think that people can get I mean, hey, it it, it kind of shocked me a little bit that he was even coming out with a book because I can't remember the last time he had an actual like comic book comic book because especially because I right. mean, it's just, you know, doing full paintings takes a massive amount of time. So like, yeah, I, of, of course, your really output's going to be lower. Like, but but to it just really feels like he's getting older and he's looking back and I'm putting words in his mouth here, but this is just my impression. Yeah. yeah. Is he's getting older and he's looking back and he's like, okay, what do I want to make? Like, yeah, yeah. I only have so many years, so many pages left in me. Like, what is it that I want to make 
that only I can make that like leaves a legacy of what I want to leave. And yeah. this book feels like the first note of that. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think maybe maybe he would be helped with though with um because I think that um hmm how to put it. I I think that doing everything yourself is extremely difficult and I think there's only like a handful of people that can do it and do it well, you know? Sure. Like, like, especially in like a, a mainstream comic sense, because you can get away with doing everything yourself if you're publishing like an indie, because you can have black and white and the style can be a lot simpler. And, you know, the, the, sure, the, the, sure. Rule, the rules are just different. But I think that like having a collaborator could have probably helped pull focus in more and help maybe uh, temper some wrong turns or something like you know because from what it sounds like from you yeah. is that there's nothing like catastrophic it's just that you can you no. can see you can see him doing the right thing and then he'll do the right. wrong thing and then you can see and you're just like ah shit you're right, right I there. see him like you're right there oscillating yeah like i see like page to page my enjoyment is a roller coaster of like yeah of like yeah oh why didn't oh this pulled me out of it and then i'd go to another page and i'd be like this freaking rips like yeah this page is so good and then i'd, I'd go to another page and i'd be like ah oh, you're doing something weird again where you're it's tough to follow I don't yeah know. yeah L like you said i think that and this is me just opining off of never reading the freaking book <laughs> but i do <laughs> i do think though that like when when artists do stuff like this like make a big swing I think especially if it fails or even like doesn't work completely, I think it should still be like massively celebrated for that, even for its yeah. for its miss to kind of like be like a, a beacon of like, see, see people you can you can try, like get out of your comfort zone and and sure, right, it right, won't right. it won't always be perfect. This book isn't perfect, but it's really cool to see him be in this space that he hasn't ever been in before. Right. And I got to say, I hadn't really been picking up Alex Ross things since like mid nineties. And I picked this up, you know, it's just really cool to see uh, again, someone, someone attempt it. And I always love it when artists do that. Like, I love it when bands do that. And I'm like, this sounds nothing like anything they've ever done. And it's not really doing it for me, but you know what? I'm I'm glad yeah. that they got out there and explored, you know, like it's, it's only going right. to make you Absolutely. better. Even Absolutely. If you, even if you fall flat on your face and it's awful, it'll only, only make thing. you better. And this is the thing. It makes me excited to see the next thing that Alex does. Whereas oh. before I wasn't really excited. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is a glowing review to like everybody should check this book out. But I do think that everybody should check this book out. <laughs> However, temper your expectations a little bit. From Twitter, it seemed like this book was the second coming. And it just, it, it wasn't. But it was still fun. It was still a good read. It's still something I want to pick up and check out in the future. So, well, you piqued my interest. Yeah, so...
So, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys and gals and non-binary pals. Where can we uh, find find each other, Jason? How can I find you? You can you can find me still on Twitter. Hopefully, by next episode, I'll have some different things set up so uh, you can yeah, find us been, on that burning taking, ship. Yeah, you've been taking control of the Twitter a little bit more for the channel, uh, which I appreciate. Trying to advertise, get get some clicks, get some listens. Yeah, yeah, SEO, get that SEO, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, What's the what's the Twitter handle? Twiddle ha- twid- the twiddle handle the twiddle handle I'm the sticking twiddle with twiddle the twiddle handle <laughs> okay. for our show is world's second finest pod that's with the two in there the numeral is it wait is it okay. pod is it pod not shit now I have it's to. not pod it's just world's second finest Jason you're running the Twitter <laughs> killing me dog yeah well you know <laughs> I'm on some kind of drug most of the time so. <laughs> Oh my god! That's what okay. I, that's what all these sponsors are for, right? To to, to Look, fuel. We to don't fuel have my any sponsors. Habits. What podcast and have you been making? This 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 isn't this isn't what the fuck with Mark Maron. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you can find me at Nick Phil on Twitter or uh, Nick Phil Linktree, which will have links to everything, including a Tumblr that I have resurrected from many many years ago. But uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to find out where where everything is, uh, check that out. Yeah, and I'm I'm at King of Black Acid on Twitter. Uh, if if you want to get at me for for anything, uh, until until Elon Musk tanks the whole company, we're still there. Yeah, because it's just too funny now. It's like, oh, it's funny again. Yeah. It wasn't funny for a while. <laughs> then the Queen died, and it was funny, and then we got over that, and then now it's funny again. <laughs> Oh man, the queen dying was hilarious. Was anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks. Uh, we'll see you on the next pod. Jason, I missed the Batman Adventures 12 issue that I was going to bid on because oh, we no. keep doing this podcast while those issues go on sale. I'm freaking dying here. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I, I apparently missed a legendary uh, overtime game. So. Oh, geez, man. That's all right. The I'll, sacrifices we make for this I'll, podcast. I'll watch. I'll watch the highlights. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Sure. Sure. Microfilm. Microfilm. Microfilm.